This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. All right, in today's episode, I'm excited to have Christina Canthers from the C Method back on the podcast. The last time she was on the podcast was way back in episode 21. I'm really good friends with Christina, even though we haven't kept up as much as we should, but she's a dynamic communicator. She's an architect who now focuses on training and communications training. And today's topic is going to be speaking with authority, which if you're a listener, you know that I'm big on that for engineers and technical professionals. You have to be an authority in your field. So before I formally introduce Christina, I would like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FEPE or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at pptopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode so that you get to know a little bit about her before we dive into the conversation. Christina Cantors is a communication skills speaker coach and founder of the C-Method. She helps ambitious professionals speak, present, and pitch with more confidence. An engaging speaker, Christina has wowed audiences at organizations and conferences around the world with her passion, humor, and occasional ukulele song. And yes, I've seen her speak, and yes, I've seen her play the ukulele. In 2014, Christina left a promising career in architecture to pursue her passion, helping people build confidence in themselves and speak effectively in order to achieve success at work, in business, and in life. She believes that pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is the best way to learn and grow. You can discover how to be a more confident and effective speaker by subscribing to her top-ranked podcast, Stand Out, Get Noticed, at thecmethod.com. And she's going to give us seven very specific tips for speaking with authority in the interview you're about to hear. And then at the end of the show, she stays on for the Take Action Today segment, and she gives one tip that you can use to help all those other seven tips kind of sink in. So to bring us into the interview, I'm going to give you a quote as usual. Authority without wisdom is like a heavy axe without an edge, fitter to bruise than polish. And that's from Anne Bradstreet. All right, now it's time to jump into the main segment of our episode, and I'd like to welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, Christina Cantors. Christina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for coming back after it's been such a long time. I mean, you've been on the show years ago. I know. It's so exciting to see how well you're doing with this show, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It has been Going really well. Thanks to all you listeners out there listening, providing feedback. And this is one of the topics that we're going to talk about today that you were asking for. You wanted to hear about how you can build confidence, especially with your speaking. 
And that's what we're going to jump into with Christina Cantors from The C Method. And we'll tell you all about Christina at the end as far as some information you can get on our website. But for now, what we're going to do here is Christina's got a really good list of seven tips that she's going to walk through for speaking with authority. This is really important, Christina. You know this as uh, you were an architect on the technical side. So you understand that in the technical world, you've got to have authority. You've got to have expertise. I'm sure you agree with that, right? Absolutely. And especially if you're running the project, you're leading the project, you know, as an architect, engineer, whatever, you've got all these other consultants and stakeholders and clients coming to you and looking to you as the expert and they'll be asking you questions and and wanting to know and you need to be able to speak with that authority so that they continue to trust you and believe in what you've got to say and have confidence in your abilities. Absolutely. All right, so let's do this, Christina. Let's jump into these seven points to help our listeners speak with authority. What do you have for number one? Number one, it's a mindset one. It's to believe that you have something worthwhile to share. A lot of people ask me, what's your number one public speaking tip? And I always say, I always give this one. Because if you don't truly believe that what you have to say is valuable and is useful and that is critical to the success of the project, then it's very hard to come across as speaking with authority and speaking with that confidence. So a lot of this point has got a lot to do with building up confidence in yourself and knowing that you deserve to be there. So what you can do to, if you're feeling like you lack a little bit of confidence in this area is to write down all your strengths. You know, what are you good at? And also to ask other people, ask other people at your work, what's one thing I do well and why is this important to you? You got to ask those two questions. When people tell you why it's valuable to them, that shows exactly what value you're adding and what what it is about you that helps them. So I'll, I'll give you one example. I like to ask my podcast listeners those two questions as well. And I had one woman write back to me and she said, Christina, I think you play the ukulele well, and I play the ukulele on my my show. And she said, and this is important to me because it proves to me that you don't have to be so serious all the time to be successful as an entrepreneur. You can be quirky and funny. And she wrote, you've inspired me to start my own business. And for me, that was so powerful because I was just playing the ukulele for fun on the the show. Like I, I didn't expect to be able to inspire people with that. So all of these things that you may not be aware of and how that you're impacting other people, those are all really important things to know. And when you know all those things, then you can stand up and really speak with that confidence, knowing that you are making someone else's life easier or you're inspiring them and so on. That's awesome. And this is a really, really important point because from what I've seen in working with hundreds of engineers is that the biggest challenge to speaking with authority is getting that confidence in yourself. Because, I mean, we're going to go through some other tips, of course, but for me personally, it was that first step that was a big step. And some of the other things I can learn to work on, but without the confidence, I mean, it's really a whole different ballgame. And I know the same for you, Christina, because I've seen you over the past few years continue to just improve your speaking and start to do bigger events and do different things. And the confidence is just huge. It's so important. Definitely. All right, so let's move on to number two. What do you got for number two? Number two is, this is another mindset one. Number two is to decide to care less about what others think of you. Now, the reason why so many people get nervous when public speaking is because they're afraid of being judged by other people. And when you talk one-on-one with someone, 
they're looking at you, you're sort of opening yourself up to be judged, but it's only by one pair of eyes. But when you're speaking to a group of people, doesn't matter if it's a large group or if you're running a meeting, you're you're exposing yourself to multiple people, to all of their judgments. And often we freak out about what they're thinking, like, oh, she's not qualified for this, or, oh, I don't think he knows what he's talking about, or, oh, he's so young, how does he know anything about this, right? We're really worried about what other people think. And as a result, it affects the way that we speak. We speak with nervousness, or we try to change who we are, or the way that we say things, so that we become inauthentic as a result, because we're trying to be someone else to impress these people. And really, it just doesn't work, because you come across as inauthentic, and then that comes across as just being plain weird. So one way to get around this is to make the decision to simply care less. And it's not about caring less about your work. It's not caring less about your job. All of that, you know, you would take that really seriously, but it's not caring what other people are thinking about you. And if you think to yourself, look, the best I can do is what I know, and I know this, and I'm confident in my skills at this, and I know that I know this, And if you don't think that that's good enough, then, well, there's nothing I can do about that. You can't actually control what people are thinking or how they're going to view you. So there's no point stressing yourself out about trying to figure that out or understand or predict what they're going to think. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But I I just want to dig a little bit deeper on this one because, first of all, I don't think this is that easy to do, to decide to care less about what others think of you. But I also think that you're good at it. Because, you know, I've seen you do some crazy things like on stage, like funny things, wear things, costume, whatever. And it seems not to bother you, but it also seems to have a good impact on the audience. So I guess the question for you is is like, you know, how do you take on that? To me, it seems like a hard mindset to kind of get over. I don't know if there was something that happened to you that made it easier for you or was it just your personality or? I don't think it's something that you just get over because I catch myself thinking that as well. I believe it's an ongoing process and you slowly, slowly start to build up this caring less. A really simple example, I used to be afraid when I was talking to people, I'd be afraid of saying, I don't know what that word means. You know, if someone said a word and I didn't understand it, I'd just nod and go, oh, okay, sure. Or if they talked about a world event that had happened or some politician who said something and I didn't actually know. I was afraid of admitting that I didn't know because I thought that they would think that I was naive or, oh, she's stupid. How, what do you mean you don't know about that? That's been everywhere. How stupid are you? That's what I was afraid of. And I remember actually hanging around with people who, like someone, for example, would say something and a a word maybe that I didn't know. And then someone else would say, I don't know what that word means. Can you explain? Or they'd say, no, I don't actually, I haven't heard of that. And I would actually think, oh, that's strange because I knew that word or, or whatever. But I didn't actually think negatively about them. I didn't think, damn, they must be stupid because they don't know that. I actually had more respect for them for admitting that and being okay with not knowing what that thing was and wanting to learn more. So I thought to myself, well, if I'm not having negative thoughts about that person, then maybe other people aren't having negative thoughts about me when I admit that I don't know something. That's interesting. And what you just said kind of made me remember something in doing a lot of research on public speaking myself. I think it was a book maybe by Brian Tracy that I read called Speak to Win. But what he talks about in the book is 
someone comes to some kind of performance, whether it's public speaking, or like they want to see a good show, right? So they're like internally, unconsciously like pulling for you to do good. So meaning that you have some leeway, you can try some stuff and they're going to want to laugh. They're going to want to clap. They're going to want to be like, this is really valuable. So it's like, if you're going in there thinking like, oh my gosh, these people are going to think I'm crazy. They're not going to like this. Start by thinking that they're there to see something good and valuable and they're going to believe in you unconsciously because people just generally want people to succeed. So I think that that has always been a helpful thing for me because I feel like people are here for a good performance, essentially, and that's what they're like expecting to see, which is, is helpful for me to think that way. There's a really good exercise you can do with that one. You can actually draw just stick figures of maybe five stick figures and draw on the most negative representation of, of an audience you can possibly imagine. So you draw in negative faces, angry faces, sad faces, bored faces, and you draw in speech bubbles of what they're thinking. You know, like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then you repeat that, but you do it with the most positive audience you could possibly think of, right? Positive faces and positive thoughts. And then you look at the two images and you realize, when you realize that you've just made up both of those images and that you can actually choose to believe either one of them, that's incredibly empowering. So that ties into what you were just saying. So if you actually take that positive picture and go, you know what, I choose to believe that my audience looks like this, then that helps so much when you go out there and speak to people. All right, let's move on. Number three, what do you got? Number three is to speak from your diaphragm. And when I say diaphragm, I mean like your lower sort of your stomach area. A lot of people will speak from their throat. I don't know if you can hear over this over the Skype, but like if you speak from your throat, you're like really tight like this and you come across and you can't project very much and your voice creaks like this, you know, like because you don't have enough air in your throat. So but what you need to do is take a deep breath and speak from your diaphragm so that you can actually project. It's not necessarily about being loud, but you're being able to project and fill the whole room so that everyone can hear you. Because no one wants to be leaning forward and straining to hear what you're saying. So that's a real quick one. Speak from your diaphragm. Take a deep breath and fill the room. Awesome. All right, number four. Number four is learn how to interject with confidence. Now, I know it comes up a lot in workplaces where you might be running a meeting or facilitating a group discussion and or having a teleconference. And some people tend to just talk, 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 and you need to be able to shut them up without being rude. And I know a lot of the clients that I work with, they feel like they lack that confidence with jumping in because they're afraid of interrupting or afraid of making the other person upset. So one really cool thing I've learned when you want to politely interrupt someone is to say, can I just pause you there? And when you say it like that, you're not actually saying stop talking or shut up. You're saying, can I pause you? Because it, it's suggesting that they're able to continue on later. But you're just, it's like saying, hold that thought. And when you say this, you need to say that with a lot of certainty. Don't be like, um, can, can, I, uh, can, I, can I just pause? You know, you want to just jump in and be like, can I pause you there? And be really certain about what you're doing. And at the same time, you can use a, put, you can turn your hand slightly downwards. We'll turn your hand downwards and it's a bit hard to do it over the audio. It's like you're sort of gently pushing down on a button, but your hand's sort of over the desk. So it's like you're indicating towards them going, can I just pause you there? And they'll go, oh, okay. And then you jump in. No, that's great because there are points in a conversation, depending on the conversation you're in, but especially if it's in a sales scenario or it could be a project team scenario where there's a problem or a solution being discussed. 
and you need to get in on the conversation, you have something that's important. And I like that because it's kind of, if you just talk over someone, then obviously it's going to cause a negative reaction or by them, or at least negative th- thoughts internally. But when you say it the way you said it, Christina, it sounds like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. And also once they've paused, then they're listening to what you're going to say next. Or else if you jump in with, yeah, but blah, blah, I think blah, blah, blah. Chances are they're going to be all, like still talking while you say the first part of your sentence. So they're not going to be listening to that first bit. And they might be feeling a little bit, oh, they just interrupted me and not listening to you. But when you use an op- like a, a gentle interruption sentence, like, can I just pause you there? I do have something I'd like to add to that. That's a sentence that even if they don't quite hear that, at least they'll be listening to what you say afterwards. It's a good one. Like I said, it's important. It can really change a conversation, especially if you're adding really valuable, if you're interjecting with valuable pieces of information. It could be really important. Yeah, you got to make sure that what you're saying is important. Right. <laughs> That's rule number one. <laughs> All right, number five. Number five is to eliminate filler words like I guess, I think, and ums and ahs because all of those things work together to make you look less confident and like you, you don't know what you're talking about. It makes you sound unsure of yourself. So the best way to be aware of this is to get someone to record you the next time that you're presenting, whether it's in a meeting or presenting to a group, to get someone to record you and and just count how many times you're using those filler words. Things like, I guess, you can remove, well, I guess that's the right thing to do. I guess we could do this. I think, you know, or perhaps maybe, maybe we could also, you know, if you remove those words, the sentences still make sense. They are still saying the same thing. But instead of saying, I guess we'll need a couple of days to finish this, if you say, in my experience from past projects, we'll need a couple of days to finish this. Or even if you just say, we need a couple of days to finish this, they'll go, oh, okay, I believe you, you need a couple of days. If you go, I guess we need a couple of days, they'll be like, subconsciously, they might be thinking, "Mm, are you sure about that? So your language is so important in, in how you come across. So look out for those those filler words that make you look like you're guessing yourself. Yeah, really important for engineers, especially, or architects or other technical professionals when you're dealing with a client and they're asking you about the budget and the schedule and you're saying, well, I guess, you know, I think we can finish your $50 million project on time. It's not a good approach. And I think this is another one, like we talked about a little bit before with the number two, decide to care less about what others think of you. It's not an easy fix and it takes time. And I can say that from experience because I've had several different filler words that I struggled with and I still do from time to time, especially when you do as much podcasting and trying to speaking as I do. I think things always come up, but it was just a matter of practice like anything else. It was a matter of identifying what the words were and trying to catch myself when I could. And I I went to Toastmasters for a while, which really helped me because you know, I had someone critiquing me. So I would say, listen, I'm looking for these filler words and they would stop me. So it's just a matter of like anything else. It's a habit that you probably developed and you just have to try to break it. But if anything, I think from what Christina said is think of it from a confidence perspective. So even if you do happen to use some type of filler word, the way that you frame it and the way that you say it and project it, you could still potentially get away with it and look confident. I think that might be a good way to start to think about just 
building that confidence a little bit more. You may not be able to quickly eliminate all your filler words, but if you at least try to frame out your general tone in a different way, it might be helpful. Definitely. It does take time. The first step is to be aware of it. So recording yourself is so important. The first time I was recorded, I was doing, I just gave an impromptu talk about myself. In 60 seconds, I said, um, 12 times or something like that. And I looked at the ground as well. I had no idea I was doing it. So once you're aware of it, then you can start to build that habit of just pausing. If you feel an um, or I guess, whatever that filler word is that trips you up, whenever you feel that coming up, I want you to pause. There's nothing wrong with a bit of silence and then continue on talking. See, a lot of us use ums and ahs to fill in space because we are uncomfortable with silence. So if you can get comfortable with silence at the same time, that will also help. Agreed. Silence, I think, in the right spot can be really actually powerful because it gives people the chance to think. It lets your words sink in. And you're right, Christina, people feel like every single second sometimes has to be filled with some kind of sound or speaking, and it doesn't. And that is a really good way. If you catch yourself, just stop. Instead of saying, I guess, stop, leave a little space, and then come back to it. All right, so let's move on to the last two, six and seven, which I know are both body language tips. So why don't you give us the first one, Christina? Body language tip number one is to stand with authority. So if you want to be looked up, to as a leader in your workplace, you got to look like one, right? So if you look at great leaders, do they slouch over? Do they cross their legs over and rock back and forth? Do they have their arms tightly crossed in front of them? No. Okay. So what you can do is to, again, be aware of how you're standing. How do you sit at the meeting table? Do you lean back in your chair? Are your shoulders hunched down? Or are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Are you sitting leaning in to the table looking like you're really engaged in the conversation? Are your hands on the desk or are you, are you slouching down and hiding them under the desk, right? So you need to be aware of that and then it's simply a matter of implementing one thing, going, right, I'm going to practice sitting up straight and that's all. I'm going to practice sitting up straight. I'm going to do that for the next week. And you'll find that the more you practice it, the more it actually becomes natural, and soon people will be telling you, oh, you seem so confident all the time. You're so natural at that. And you'll go, mm, no, it's become natural after uh, over time. So standing with your feet sort of shoulder width apart, you want to be nice and firm on the ground, feel the earth underneath you, shoulders back, neck nice and elongated, stand nice and strong. And if you, you walk around like that, you walk into a room with presence. You know, you walk into the meeting room, people go, wow. Who's this person? This person hasn't even opened their mouth yet, but they look like they've got something important to say. All of that can be conveyed through body language. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, you may be doing a sales call for your company where there's $100,000 or $500,000 in the balance. When the stakeholder walks into the room, exactly what Christina just said, do you want them to see someone slouched down, closed, or do you want them to see someone open, confident, standing with authority? they're going to hire and that they're going to invest in. So that's kind of the way you need to think about it. All right, Christina, what's the last one you got for us? The second body language tip is to use your hands. And I touched on this earlier when I was talking about how to interject using your hands. 
I saw a really great TED talk by an Australian body language expert called Alan Pease, and he was talking about what our palms represent. Showing the palms is a universal sign of sort of that you've got nothing to hide, right? That you that you're not going to attack someone. Openness, exactly. So that's why we put our hands up in the air to show that you know, oh, I'm un, I'm unarmed. Like in the movies, everyone puts their hands up. That's what the cops get you to do to show that you're unarmed. In much the same way, if you want to be seen as trustworthy and open and willing to be inclusive, when you speak, it's a good idea to have your palms showing. So you might speak and gesture with your hands pointing up towards the ceiling. When you are sitting at a table at a meeting, you might gently rest your hands on the table with your palms slightly exposed. On the contrary, if you don't show your palms, so if you're at the table and you have your hands underneath, and people can't see it, if for someone who doesn't know you well, that signals to them that you're not very trustworthy. It's like when you see someone walking down the street and they've got their hands tightly tucked into the pocket of their hoodie, right, and their hoodie's over their head. Because you can't see their hands, you're thinking, well, what are they concealing? Is there a weapon in there that I should be worried about? So it's the opposite of the open palm thing. So, But then the third thing to understand is that when you're gesturing and you want to speak with authority, you can turn your palms down. You can see if you watch the TED Talk, I'll give you the link later. If you turn your palms down, that makes you come across as being really authoritative. So you might go from palms open, facing upwards, going, thanks so much for coming along. I think we've achieved a lot today. Or if people are talking, go, hey, everyone, thanks so much for your contribution, but we do need to move on. And when you say that thing that where, where you want to sound like you really have that authority, that's when you turn your palms down, right? So you might have your hands up and go, thanks so much for your contribution. I am aware of the time though, and we do need to move on. And if you pair that with a palm down gesture, that's going to make people go, well, it's a bit hard to demonstrate here because it's audio only, but I encourage people to watch that TED talk and I'll, I'll send you the link to that. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. All right, so let me just recap the seven points here. First one was believe that you have something worthwhile to share. Second one was decide to care less about what others think of you. Number three, speak from your diaphragm. Number four, learn how to interject with confidence. Five, eliminate filler words like I guess, I think, and perhaps. And then the last two, six and seven, were body language tips. Stand with authority. Be open. Be firm. Be up straight. And body language tip number two was to use your hands, which Christina just explained. And really what you can see here is that the underlying theme that runs through all these points is really confidence. Confidence jumps out at you, and that's why we're talking about speaking with authority and showing your confidence. And it's really, really, really important. So what we're going to do now is Christina's going to hang with us. We're going to, do, we're going to give you one more bonus tip here in the Take Action Today segment. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment, and this is the part of the show where we try to help you to implement all of the things that you just learned about in the interview. Because let's be honest, if you can't implement it, then what's the point of really listening to the podcast? So I'm going to let Christina give us one more tip here to implement it. But before I do, I would like to offer a word from today's episode sponsor, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEP or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses. 
It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code COACH at PPITopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. Bonus tip is to, if you want to improve with all of the things that we spoke about in this episode, what you can do is to observe other people who do these things well and learn from them, right? So you might see an exec at your company, look at how they walk, look at how they talk. Do they use a lot of filler words like, I guess, or I think, do they say I'm a lot, or are they very direct and to the point? When you notice someone walking to the room and they just have this presence about them, notice what it is about them that gives them that. How are they holding themselves? How do they shake people's hands? What sort of eye contact are they making? Do they care? Do they seem to care what other people think of them? Right? Or are they just like, you know what? This is me. This is who I am. I do what I do. And if you don't like it, you can get lost. Do they have that attitude about them? So look at those people, learn from them, and copy what you like. As long as it stays authentic to who you are, copy what they do well and go, you know what? I'm going to practice that and make it your own. I'm not saying be exactly like other people because that doesn't work either. But it's observing what works for them and seeing how you can make it work for you as well. So keep up with her there. And Christina, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. It's been fun. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. You can find the show notes at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash C method. That's all lowercase C method. You'll find a summary of the key points that we discussed in the episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all the comments and will respond if you leave one. So until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.